Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's program. This is Calvary Live coming to you live, unless they said encore before the program, coming to you live from the studios of Grace FM in Aurora, Colorado, and ministry outreach of Calvary Church here. My name is Ed Taylor, taking your calls and your questions. Uh, Your calls come in on, we have two different phone numbers, dedicated lines, one for the show that we could talk on the air, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Be sure to put that in your phone book, and you know, just put it in as Calvary Live, that way you can say, hey Siri, call Calvary Live, Uh, and then we have a text number, uh, and that's a dedicated line, it is a... Uh, text number and uh, a prayer line 24-7. It's open for the hour of the show that we can talk or you can text us. Don't leave a message there. Uh, Don't call it. Uh, It won't work. We won't never hear your message. Uh, But we do see your text messages 720-336-0897. And the phone lines are wide open. Uh, would love to hear from you guys on Truth FM. Love to hear from you on Hope FM. Would love to hear from you listening on Freedom Radio. Uh, would love to hear, of course, you guys here on Grace FM. Um, our friends in Boise, and, and we also, I think, we're on a station in California. Uh, we are on some other LPFMs that have picked up the program. Uh, so we're grateful to be a part of what God's doing in your life. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Works anywhere in the country. Uh, and you can even call it internationally if you want. Uh, you know the right digits to put in. Um, do it, and let's talk. You can also text 720-336-0897. And yesterday we had a call talking about not being able to see your grandkids and that hit a nerve uh, in more than one way and I want to repeat for you today if you're on the other end of the cruelty of not being a part of your grandkids or your kids lives there's an article that I posted on my website edtaylor.org edtaylor.org it's an article that was adapted from uh, a book that I was reading at the time by Elizabeth Elliot on the topic of pain and I picked that book up because of grief but then also there's other types of pain right and so you got pain upon pain and she had a chapter she had a couple paragraphs a couple pages I should say on this topic where she got a note from a mom that wasn't able to see her grandkids. I'm just like, man, it's it's hard. 
So go to the website and I and to find the article because there are many articles on there. Just go to the search and put in the word grandchild, all one word, grandchild, and the article will pop up. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Hey, Pastor Ed, Aaron here in Aurora. Can you please pray for my family? We just recently lost my grandma. My mom is not taking it too well. I'd love for this tough time to get lifted up in prayer. You know, losing a mom is a very hard situation. I was reaching out to one of the sisters in our church yesterday. Uh, I think it was the five or the six-year mark. I don't remember exactly how long, but it really doesn't matter how many years. It's hard uh, nonetheless. Uh, It was 16, so five-year mark of losing her mom, and it's just super hard um, and challenging for the family and for everyone involved. Father, I pray for this family. Pray for Aaron, her mom, just the whole family hurting over losing the matriarch, um, a very special woman in their lives. And we're grateful, God, for the time that, that we're able to uh, enjoy her, the time that she, because of her heritage, she has a mom and a grand, uh, she has a mom, excuse me, she has a daughter, a granddaughter, a heritage. And there, your word says that we grieve and we sorrow, but we do it differently because we have hope. And so I pray for that hope in this family. Unleash it along with your comfort in Jesus' name. Amen. 303-690-3000. Let's go right down to Colorado Springs. Robert is on the line. Robert, welcome to the program. Good afternoon, Pastor. How are you doing today? I'm okay. How are you? I'm, I'm doing all right. Uh, I was just wondering okay. if I could get some prayer for my dad right. and for my brother. Uh, yes. My dad's health is kind of slowly declining. He's been having problems with his liver and his kidneys. Uh, mm. So I want to pray for healing for him. And my brother just recently relapsed. Uh, he keeps going back to the, the same drug that's robbed him of everything, his wife, his mm. house, his job, his car. And so I yeah. just wanted to pray for um uh, addiction healing and to, to just break every chain that the enemy has on him okay let's do that father i pray for robert's dad uh as his health is declining and um just so much you know our bodies they weren't made to last forever on the earth uh, but our hearts ache when we see them start to disintegrate and start to deteriorate and we pray for your healing god in this particular challenge, Lord, it just mentally, physically, spiritually. Um, I also pray for Robert's brother. I agree with him by faith that you would break the chains of addiction, that Robert would also choose to present himself to you so that he would become a slave to you, not, um, not a slave to drugs, alcohol, things that have obviously destroyed him and disrupted him, but rather he would present himself to righteousness to become a slave of righteousness in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thank you, Robert. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Text me at 720-336-0897. Of course, uh, if you have, uh, because it hits such a nerve, I want to put it out there. You can also email me. I'll send you the link as well, ed at edtaylor.org. 
ed at edtaylor.org. But if you are unable to see your children or your grandchildren, uh, and there's absolutely no good reason for that um, other than spite and cruelty, email me. I will send you the link or go to my website, edtaylor.org, and put the word grandchild in the search feature. Um, We got so much feedback yesterday in my email box and a couple of texts. Uh, I think um, I want to put that article in your hand. It's by Elizabeth Elliott. She did a much better job than I could ever do writing such an article. Uh, So uh, even writing it from an unbiased perspective, so good. Uh, encouraging. It doesn't change the pain, but it was a good article, and it is a good article. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. Text me 720-336-0897. We had Bible study uh, last night. We have a midweek Bible study here at Calvary Church. In Aurora, we study through a different book of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter, uh, and we are Finishing up now the last chapter, uh, slowing down just a bit, but the last chapter of Second Peter, um, and I thought it was such an encouraging message. Uh, it's simple but a very applicable, uh, and of course I taught it uh, and put my mind into studying for it. But the exercising of the gift of pastor teacher was an encouragement to everyone in the room, including me. Uh, as I'm sharing it, the Holy Spirit's ministering to my heart, ministering to my mind. Um, you know, the topic was mockers and scoffers in the last day and how God's word brings great stability in times of uncertainty and how we cling to his promise. And then the, then we were, there's that passage there. Uh, you know, again, here's what happens. You probably, you probably have seen this. Maybe you're a part of it, uh, but there's... A glorious truth in the scriptures that gets ignored because of some controversial part of the verse. Uh, So people, instead of letting the verse say what it says and be encouraged by it, you'll argue. And, you know, if if you're an arguer, stop it. Uh, You know, get back in line with loving and serving. I'm not saying you don't give a defense, you don't stand up for the faith, but like, you know what, you know what it means to be an arguer. Uh, and here's one of those verses that people love to argue about, and I'll tell you why. Give me a call, 303-690-3000. Uh, it's in, uh, well, it's verse eight, 8 and 9 of Second Peter 3. It says, Beloved, don't forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. So Peter is giving the instruction and teaching those that are struggling that God doesn't measure time like us. That's what he's saying. But what do people do? Argue. What about a thousand years? And what about the, and it's a day, and this is what the, in a thousand years. He's telling us that God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. And the way he measures and intervenes in time is not like us. It's proportionally different because God is outside of time. That that verse, that's kind of cool. We just know uh, because it leads to the next verse. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, uh, but that all should come to repentance. So what happens with this verse? Well, we argue about Calvinism and and the sovereignty of God and the election and limited atonement and argue, 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 argue um, to, to the end of time. 
but you miss the point. This is a verse about the heart of God. Uh, number one, a God that keeps his promises. Number two, that what we feel and see about God's patience is not what we think it is. It's not slack. He, well, he, God's so slack, he's forgotten about me. No, it's not true. He says God is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness. You, you have a definition of slackness. I'm looking it up right now. Uh, just uh, It means delaying. Uh, it's the Greek word bradutes. It means tardiness or slowness. Um, and so God's not tardy or slow like we think so. But what? He is patient, not willing that any should perish. And then the great thing, if you tie that together with verse 15, the same chapter, and check this out. It says, consider that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. And then he talks about Paul. Isn't that so beautiful? Why argue about it? God is for you, not against you. His long-suffering is for salvation. Aren't you glad? I was thinking and shared it last night. You know, we, we await the soon return of the Lord. Those under persecution with Peter writing to, they want the Lord to return, but aren't you glad? I'm, I'm glad that God didn't return in 1990. You know why? Because I was saved in February of 91. And on and on we could keep saying that of, man, his slack, he's not slack. He's not tardy or delayed like we think he is. It's totally different. So we studied that. Go to our app. Get our app. Uh, go to your app store. Put in my name, Ed Taylor. Our app will pop up. All of our studies that we have digital files for are on accessible through that app, including our latest studies and the Refresh Conference. Uh, we have our studies posted. Refresh, unbelievable, unbelievable, unbelievable what that count conference was. 303-690-3000, Aurora, Colorado. Tem, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. How are you? I'm doing great. Good to hear um, so I'm just, I guess, seeking some advice on how to um, counsel or, like, disciple, in a sense, like, friends that are very um, critical and just yes. very critical um, around life, because I found it difficult, because I sort of feel um, persuaded by them, in a sense, to want to be the same way, too. So, like, how do I yeah. minister to them, but also not be pulled in that direction? Well, first of all, I, I like how you can see at this point, this is the right time to ask the question because you can see at this point that you're living out a biblical truth where it says evil company corrupts good habits. And that being around that kind of atmosphere and that kind of attitude is going to influence you uh, because not only does the Bible teach it, but just in practical life, uh, we need to minimize our exposure and our investment of time in people that are pulling us down. Remember in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers. The teaching's super clear. A believer is not to be yoked together. It speaks of marriage there, of course, but I think by application, deep friendships and relationships where we're sharing life together, we need to be careful. We don't abandon all our unbelieving friends. We don't abandon even our weaker brother friends uh, but we, we also keep in mind that there is a limit of negativity 
that we can handle. Um, your limit's probably different than mine. Um, I, I'm at a much lower threshold now uh, in handling negativity than I was 10 years ago. Uh, and I have to admit that and recognize that complainers and uh, mockers and just just people with a critical spirit, um, I don't have a lot of time for because it affects me negatively and it harms me in my walk with the Lord. And the, and the thing is, is those guys don't care. They don't care. They don't care if they hurt you. They don't care if they're dragging you down. They just want their opinion known. They just want to be complainers. It's easier to complain than to do something. Uh, and so you'll find that every com- you know every complaint, uh, every ten complaints could be easily dealt with it with one action. But they don't want to act. They want to complain. They want to sit in the sp- a complainer. That's and the same for you and me. When we're critical spirits, when we complain, we sit in the seat of judgment, like we're the authority. And we need to remember that we're not the authority, and we live in an imperfect world. Um, another thing to remember is is that if you do have influence in their lives, it would do well for you to shut them down, um, because we're to resist um, we're to resist that negativity. We're to um, uh, the Bible says, uh, let me see here, the, to watch out for divisive people. Uh, but the, uh, there's a verse that it's in my mind. It's it's the word reject. So let me just look it up here. Uh, 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 let's see here. Uh, okay, uh, maybe it's the word resist. Um, we're the we have to be careful to. Um, oh, I can't find it. I'm going to try to paraphrase it. Uh, re- uh, reject a divisive person after the first or second admonition. I think is. Let me find it. First or second admonition. Um, I don't know why it's not coming up. But, oh no, it's right there. It's right in front of my eyes. Titus chapter 3, verse 10. It's set, I quoted it exactly. Revi- reject a divisive person after the first and second admonition. Uh, and so not on, then next, uh, before that, he says, avoid foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, which is another word of fights and uh, complaining actually starts a fight. It always starts a fight. It's always, I'm better, I don't like this, they're doing it wrong, and striving against the law because they're unprofitable and useless. So we're to resist the words and reject the people. But only after a first and second admonition or warning, because Titus then goes on to say, Paul says to Titus, uh, this is Titus 3, 9, 10, and 11, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. Uh, and and so we have that piece. Then the final thing I think is important is that, you know, every complaint isn't necessarily wrong. Um, every concern, even on the lips of a divisive person, isn't necessarily wrong. Every criticism, there's probably some truth to it. The problem is that there's no desire on the complaining part to get it right. They, this is how they define themselves. They're going to find everything wrong with the world, everything wrong with the church, everything wrong with the Bible study, whatever. And they don't want to resolve anything. And that just tells you they're not from the Lord, right? Because Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers. And so it really depends on what level of relationship you have with them. We know that you're to admonish them. 
We know that if they don't receive it, you're to reject them and avoid them. Okay. okay. And one and more thing, Tim. I think. Uh, I mean, I think along those lines is if if I if I came to Tim and I said, Tim, um, you know, Pastor so and so really made me mad the other day. Um, Tim should do this. Did you talk to him? Uh, no, because he doesn't like me or whatever. Well, the Bible says that if your brother offends you, go to him, you and him alone, and share with him. And so when people come to complain to me about other people in the church or in their lives, I always ask them, have you talked to them yet? Because Matthew chapter 18 is the biblical way that things get resolved. And even if it's with unbelievers, even if it's around, uh, you know, even if it's at work, um, you can still use the principles. You don't have to say it's the Bible. You can still use the principles. Hey, best way to resolve things is go talk to them. Maybe you need help. I'll go with you. Um, but if if you allow them to continue, you're you're in a place of disobeying God, and then you're going to pay the price for it. How how do you admonish in love with them? It really depends on who it is. Um, it depends on the depth of relationship. It depends on how serious the situation. So I, it's very situational, right? You're going to apply yeah. the word very situational. So let's say, uh, let's say on a harder side, um, somebody says, um, "Did you hear about so and so? He's a liar and." Uh, he stole from Safeway and, and on and on and on. And, and like they're, let's say it's after church and they're up at the stage and you go, well, they're right there. Let's go talk to them. We need to go talk to them right now. Stop. You don't say another word about that person because they're in the room and we're going to go talk to them and you're going to tell it to their face. That would be pretty serious, right? You'll tell yeah. a lot about whether, whether they're real or not. Um, and then you're also giving space to maybe what they're saying is true. And so let's just settle it. Let's walk over there right now. Oh, no, no, no. Well, then you may no longer say those things in my presence. And, you know, you could use the Bible word. I admonish you right now. Do not do that around. We cannot continue our friendship if you're going to speak evil about a brother and they're right here in the room. Or on a softer side, somebody says, oh, I read this on Facebook and I'm thinking about it. And they're just repeating it in front of you. You want to then come alongside and gently say, well, why would you repeat that? And and where did you get that information? And what does the Bible have to say? And, you know, the Bible says don't receive an accusation against an elder except two or three witnesses. And it really just depends. Like if a 10-year-old was doing it, my delivery to a 10-year-old would be different to a 30-year-old. Yeah. And I would, de- I would deliver the same information. But for a 10-year-old, I'd be very simple, gentle. Um, I'd use easy words. Um, I would say, get your mom involved, you know, to your parents. I would, it would be a totally different, um, approach than a 30 year old that I'm at, you know, village in. And they're just, they're just absolutely sinning right in my presence. They're sinning against someone else and they're sinning against me and everyone else at the table. I won't have it. And I mean, that's literal right now. I, I won't have it with people in my circle. I won't have it. We, it's important that we speak the truth in love because that's what true friendship is. Mm-hmm. 
Thank you. Thank you, Pastor. That's very insightful. It was really helpful. You're welcome. And it's very normal. You know, unfortunately, um, I think uh, there is a segment of Christianity and a segment of Christians that are involved in very fleshly sins far more than they even pray and read their Bible. And it's sad. And it hurts. Um, however, this is the this is the call of the man of the woman that wants to serve Jesus and serving his people. We've got to deal with very difficult situations, and they're super challenging. And it'll be harder, you know. It'll be hard. Let me just say, it's hard when you do things the right way. It's hard to look someone in the eye and tell them. It's hard to stick with it to the end. It's hard, even in our church, where you know you that we do believe in church discipline. We do practice church discipline, and in the twenty-one years of our church, we have had to remove people from fellowship after following through with the steps of church discipline, only to be met with rebelliousness and resistance. And there are people that even left and launched off, ran away from the church. That if they were to come back, they would immediately be under church discipline because they never got things resolved. And it's hard, but it's always harder to do it the wrong way. <clears throat> yes. yes. Thank you. Pastor. Let me pray for you. <clears throat> Can I pray for you? Yes. yes. Father, I pray for my brother Tim as he faces challenging circumstances with the people around him. Lord, give him wisdom. That's what I think. I mean, we don't have the exact right answer for the people in his circle, but <clears throat> even as we were learning last night, and we're going to learn through the book of Acts, you are our faithful companion, faithful comforter, as you abide in us by your Holy Spirit to enable us and help us in ministering to the challenging people around us. And I also pray you protect him as he steps out into ministry, into learning. Um, he steps out and, and is exposed to a lot more people and a lot more situations um, that you would give him wisdom on how to serve love and help people get their eyes back on the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much. Okay, bro. Bye-bye. Bye. Man, Tim, that touches on a super common situation. And what's also common, as much as complainers and mockers and critical spirit people, is that Christians just stay silent and they just let it go or they jump in and participate in it and waste their life along the way. I mean, tell me, what what has a critical spirit ever done for you positively for the kingdom of God? What has hypercritical complaining ever done for you and your family and your church and your work? What has it ever done eternally? It does nothing. It just defiles people. <clears throat> Excuse me. It just makes things worse, not better. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. We're coming up on uh, on a break, so you guys hang on, okay? Don't hang up. It looks like we have Ashley in Georgia. You'll be next right after the break, so don't hang up. Um, appreciate all you guys calling from Georgia. Uh, so many more states now are interacting with us, and we have a couple of open lines. 303 Six nine zero three thousand. Text me seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. 
Download our free app and study along with us. First Peter, Second Peter, study along with us through Refresh. I have a very special message I'm going to be sharing this weekend with our church. I edited up the message I shared with Refresh uh, to deliver to our church. Just real relevant, poignant Bible studies that speak to the day and age in which we live. <clears throat> and I think the book of Acts is going to be that, right? We're going to study through the book of Acts verse by verse. What does God want the church to look like in the 21st century? But there are those times where we just have to have a word in due season. So you got to come out. We would love to have you. Uh, Calvary Church, we're here in Aurora. You can connect with us online. You don't have to be in Colorado. We're online, all services. We broadcast live on Grace FM on the radio and, of course, here in person. Make us your home, calvaryco.church. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back, everyone. Glad you joined us. 303-690-3000. Text me, 720-336-0897. Here is a text, as always, praying for you, Pastor Ed, for the heartache and difficulty uh, in your life. My three-year-old grandson is the light of my life, and I'm asking your prayers for his protection. I would love to pray for your grandson. What an honor. Father, I pray for this young boy, the light of life. It's just such a joy. Uh, And I pray for his protection. Uh, Even as I think this weekend uh, of the joy of a baby dedication, a family dedication, um, you know, what a a blessing, um, what a honor, Lord. And we do pray for protection over these kiddos in these last days. I pray for this grandson, and I pray for little Aiden and Ava uh, as we have the privilege of dedicating uh, the little duties this weekend, uh, this Saturday night. So what an honor. What a blessing. We pray for these kiddos, uh, sons, daughters, grandsons, granddaughters, even great-grandsons and great-granddaughters. Pray for my buddy Jack, who just had his third grandchild, Um, So good, Lord. Bless them, encourage them, and let that joy be shared for those that have the privilege of being a vital, important, real, bona fide part of their grandkids' lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, let's get back to the phone lines. Ashley's been waiting in Georgia. Ashley, welcome to the program. Hey, Ashley, you still around? Uh, bummer, we missed you. Um, Kevin, did you hit? Did you hit that button for me? Are we? Did we miss Ashley? Um, okay, so Ashley, if you're still listening, um, you had a talk. You had a question about forgiveness, and it would be great to talk about it. But let me just say, anyone dealing with forgiveness, betrayal, it sounds like it was a part of your question, Ashley. Um, what full forgiveness is? Email me. Uh, This is something I've explored in depth. I've taught on it in depth. We have a packet that will help you with this in depth. Just email me, ed at edtaylor.org, 
ed at edtaylor.org and ask for the forgiveness packet. And I'll send you a series of links that will bless you and encourage you and help you process and pray through what full, real forgiveness looks like for you. Uh, And believe me, if you're asking the question, if you've forgiven fully, most likely you have. Uh, Because it's the hard-hearted, mean-spirited, pride-filled people that always say it's them, 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 uh, instead of, uh, like David, true repentance is, oh me, I have sinned against a holy and righteous God, and I've sinned against others. Just on a side note, if you want to see what real repentance looks like, uh, look at Isaiah, or excuse me, Psalm 51. Psalm 51, and I did a Bible study in 1 Corinthians on forgiveness uh, and real repentance, the difference between worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. So, so good. All right, over to Pennsylvania. Diane uh, is uh, on the air. Diane, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Um, Thank you for everything you do. You've made a a giant impact in my life. I just want to thank you for that. You're welcome. You You teach me a lot and help me a lot. Um, oh, right on. This may be this may be a newbie question because, okay. of course, I've gone to church since I was a child. But really, really, I um, joined God's kingdom just a couple of years ago, and okay. I, I I can't get enough information. I can't get enough of His word. But I have one thing that just doesn't quite sit right with me, and okay. it's probably because I misunderstand. So maybe you could clarify it for me. Okay, um, let's do it. When I read in the Bible, it's always, uh, don't be afraid. Um, you know, God's there. He's with you all the time. But then in the next breath, I hear God fearing, fear God or be afraid. Yes. And I'm like, yes. wait a minute. If, if I'm doing the right things, which I am a sinner, no doubt, we all are. But if I'm, if I'm trying to do the right things and I'm, I'm learning his word and I'm, I'm trying to live a really good, good, righteous life, why should I be afraid? Well, that's the that's the real question, isn't it? Because m- what one of the things I was going to do is come back and say, um, it, it, what is your definition of fear God? Because we need to have our definitions right in order to understand what the Bible is really teaching. So as you're reading the Bible, remember the Bible was written in a particular time to a particular people in a particular language so that those are very important keys for us to understand when we're interpreting a text and one of the one of the keys in understanding a bible text is what the definition of the words are you know what 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 will be the definition of the word and and how can we apply it in our lives so when the bible speaks of fearing god it could better be translated respect a healthy fear and respect or honor of God. The same way, or in a similar way, not the same way, but in a similar way that you fear fire. Now you're like, well, Ed, I don't walk around fearing fire. I don't really care. I don't run away and hide when I see fire. No, but you have a healthy respect for fire. Um, You're not careless with it. You're not flipping matches around your house. Uh, You're not flipping cigarettes in your bed. You're you're not creating little fires to see what they do. You have a healthy respect for f- fire. Uh, fire is a very wonderful thing when it's used in its proper context, when it's used to cook or it's used to heat a home or used in a gas dryer. 
And, and yet you don't walk around with this sense of being fearful of fire, but you have a respect for it. Uh, and that respect for it, help it helps keep you in a right relationship with it. Because if you didn't respect fire, man, it could be out of control. Uh, you could use it in ways that could be very destructive, uh, very painful, very hurtful. And, and so in light of that, you, you want to be able to um, translate that thought to God. When, it, when the Bible speaks of fearing God, that phrase speaks of an honest reverence of who God is and who I am. Because you know as well as I do, people get real friendly with God. Oh, he's the man upstairs. He's my buddy. He's my partner. He's my partner in crime. And they get super buddy-buddy and they don't reflect the kind of wisdom and knowledge that comes with a healthy fear and respect of God. Um, we don't want to lose our respect for God. We don't want to res- lose our honor for him so that when you read the phrase fear of God, it's different than the fear of man. That's an that's another phrase used in the Bible. The phrase fear of man in the Bible, that speaks of us wanting to please man and be people pleasers and you know worried about what people think about us and instead of trusting him uh, and having a fear of God, which would be putting people in their right in their right perspective, no, we have an honest fear of God so that we understand, hey, he is God, I am not. And I live with a respect for him, and my respect for him will then lead me to respect his word and change my behavior. Thank you so much. That was you clarified everything for me. That has been a big issue with me, and I just never knew quite how to ask it. I thought kind of felt like I was like I should know something that I don't, <laughs> and I of course have all the respect in the world for our Lord and Savior. And you bet, I I thank you so much for that. So <laughs> let me just add one thing. To, let me add one thing too, especially since you're calling from up north, northeast is you know with so many coming from a background of Roman Catholicism mm. and that systematic religious man-made religious system. Their mm-hmm. definition of the fear of God was to fear the priest and to fear God is going to slam you and destroy you and hurt you and harm you. And God's always mad at you because you're never living up. And it was just it's a control thing. And but if you lived in that environment and you even if you live with friends, maybe you weren't raised Roman Catholic, but you grew up in the Roman Catholic neighborhood. or You had a lot of friends. That yes, perspective, <laughs> it lasts. It goes on and on and on. Uh, I actually did. Yes, that makes it makes such perfect sense. And I'm so glad that that you clarified it. And it is what you say it is, because I have all the respect in the world for him. And I surely don't want to fear my loving God. I do have all the respect, though. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. You're welcome. God bless you and have a great night. Thanks. 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, taking your calls and your questions. Let's see where we are here. Joe, Lafayette, Colorado. Joe, welcome to the program. Hey, how you doing, Ed? I'm doing well. How are you? <laughs> I'm great. Hey, okay. I've, 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 I've emailed you and things like that. I appreciate you emailing me back. You're welcome. Um, yeah. I just want to be totally honest with you. I, I, I don't get it, sir. I, I, you know, 
I I do. I still drink a lot, and let's stop right there, Joe. Let's stop right there. Okay. Why do you still drink a lot? Well, I mean, just be straight up. What you can say, but they're they're not. No, I don't want to hear excuses. No, no, that's wrong. No, it's okay. It's don't even worry about what it sounds like. Don't don't you you're well. Let's pause for a second. Your call keeps dropping out. So if we talk over each other, I apologize. But you're going in and out uh, on your call. So. I'm um, okay. number one, but number two, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. If it sounds like excuses, I just want the truth. Like I, I just, it doesn't matter what it sounds like. So you can just be truthful with me. Uh, just remember people are on the radio, so it has to be a right. clean answer. Um, but yeah. it doesn't matter what well, it sounds like. Why I, do you drink so much? Well, my mom. Okay. What about your mom? Well, um, She's been crippled for a long time. Okay. And now she has hospice. And then, yes. you know, I, get, I just start getting to the point where I don't know what to do sometimes. It's like, it's just, you know, I take care of her 24 hours a day for almost been two years. You know, yeah. I'm nervous about, uh, you know, don't get me wrong. Money-wise, I, I'm getting taken care of, you know. Okay. Yeah, it's not the best thing in the world, but yeah, could I be ahead? But so to... <clears throat> go ahead. I keep saying every morning, you know. I say, "Hey, Todd, please." And at night. Well, it sounds like a couple of things I can hear. You know, you're hurting. Um. You are tired. You're frustrated. It's a lot of emotional things that when we turn to a substance, whatever that substance is, it dulls our senses and it gives us some kind of relief, right? You're looking for relief. The problem is, is that the kind of relief you're looking for isn't available with alcohol. It, it gives you this temporary, very, very temporary response, but then it leaves you with all this guilt, shame. It leaves you with addiction, you know, because they, the people that make alcohol are allowed to put chemicals and allowed to let it, let the chemical reactions occur so that it becomes very addictive. So now you not only have the emotional side of your life, but you also now have the physical side of your life, the physiological side. And of combining all that with your choices, with your choices, it's a recipe for disaster. And the way, the way to, the way to uh, avoid it is to make wise choices and, and to regularly, repetitively make wise choices, right? Because I've been sober now for 30 plus years uh, so let's just say let's just say it was thirty years. So that is three hundred and sixty-five. That's ten thousand nine hundred and fifty days I've been sober. But it hasn't been because of some great thing on my part. It's been God's power in my life by faith, by faith, and and so in light of the ten thousand days of. Sobriety, day one is the same day that everybody has, and day two and day three, and you'll begin to recognize the 
a power and presence of the Holy Spirit in your life to help you overcome and to help you be strengthened uh, and to cast your cares upon the Lord, right? Because there's a lot of decisions to make with the pain of your mom and being a full-time caretaker, which is just wearing you down. You know, there's a lot of different decisions that can be made to get some help. Of course, you can get a rest, um, you know, as well as I do. And you're right. So then you did pass into, so let's be honest here now. Now we've talked about that. Let's be honest. Uh, not that we haven't already, but we'll continue. You're right. You do make excuses. You're right. You passed over that line and there are excuses. But sometimes we get stuck on the excuses and forget, man, there's a real pain I'm feeling. And, and so the excuses are actually the easy part. The easier part of this, the harder part is the pain won't go away. You're going to hurt for a while. You love your mom. And the more you love someone, the more pain you feel. When they're in pain, perhaps when your mom goes home to be with the Lord, that's going to be really hard. And then grief, that's going to be really hard. But you know as well as I do, bro. And I have to tell you this. You're just making it harder by turning to the bottle. Okay. It's just going to be so much harder. It's better. I just feel like such a hypocrite, right? Because I, huh? I do, I do, I, Maybe. you know, you, I do love God. People ask me about it, and then all of a sudden I'm, you know, turning this way, you know, until I'm like, okay, I'm by myself. Well, well what else do I do? You know, it's like a, it's like I'm like a uh, like a drink sneaker. You know what I mean? And <laughs> I, know. I, you know, I try to tell people. You know, I know it sounds bad. Yeah, you know, I'm just like I said, no, it, it just sounds what it is. Possible, it's not you good. But know I mean? yeah. let, you know, let's just. Like, we're just going to agree. It's not good. It's hard. Uh, Hypocrisy is involved. And here's the thing with all of those things. The right choice to make, Joe, is repentance. Not to feel sorry for myself, but to have a godly response of saying, God, I've sinned against you, and I'm asking for your power to change things around. And, you know, get, get plugged in with a church up there, maybe even a church that has a celebrate recovery or a program for addicts, you know, that can come together and you guys iron sharpening iron. Um, but let me just pray for you. Father, I pray for my brother, Joe. Uh, I pray that you uh, would enable him. Well, I mean, you already have Lord. I pray he could tap into the enabling power to stay sober for a day a day becomes a week, a week becomes a month, months become year, years become a lifetime, lifetimes lead to legacies. And I pray that into his life by faith. I pray that you would remove the guilt and shame and condemnation, but also God, that you would help him to face his fears, face his challenges, and walk soberly day by day, moment by moment in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay. All right. Here's a great text that comes in here. Let me get to this text line. Uh, and uh, it says, Pastor Ed, I have attended your Wednesday night Bible study and I thoroughly enjoy it. I get so much relief from the word. However, <laughs> however, the 10 minutes of prayer prior to the service is uncomfortable for me. I was raised Catholic with limited use of the Bible and I'm relatively new to Calvary. The people I pray with go on for minutes and include so much. I'm left praying for the things I'm experiencing and feeling inadequate, maybe selfish, because I don't recognize everything that they do. Well, let me say I, I commend you for being in the house of the Lord. 
I commend you for facing something that is uncomfortable. I commend you for facing the awkward. And I think it's just great. I I think it's great that you texted this because I believe that this is a great thing to talk about. So for you guys listening in, in our midweek Bible study, we break off into small groups as a part of the service. We don't just pray with the pastor on the stage. Like when I pray for a Bible study, we all get together with each other. It's our family. Uh, we're, we're a larger church, so there's a lot of people in the room. And so you're going to meet a lot of new people. And we pray together out loud in a circle all throughout the room for 10 straight minutes. And we put some points up on the screen and we pray. And so this person is just expressing how uncomfortable it is, how hard it is. It's, it's different. It's not the way they were raised. Uh, and, and I want to validate and affirm that feeling. You're right. It is different. It's unfortunate that it's different. It should be the norm. We should be comfortable praying with each other. Uh, and here's my advice. Number one, keep coming. Number two, keep uh, getting into groups, introducing yourself and meeting new people. Number three, keep listening to other people's prayers, even as you quietly pray in your heart. And number four, don't be so hard on yourself. There's no perfect way to pray. And there's no need. And like we were saying earlier, your Roman Catholic upbringing has made it where you're probably more prone to beat yourself up and feel guilty about things when you have no reason to feel guilty. You, no reason, as you said, to feel inadequate or even selfish. You're learning how to pray. You're learning how to talk to God. And learning requires uh, a lot of commitment and a lot of listening and watching. And you're not doing anything wrong. I know it's uncomfortable. I can't change that. Um, but it's okay to be uncomfortable. Look at you're being uncomfortable for God. And, you know, it's like, I I could never talk to somebody about my faith. I could never share the gospel. It's so awkward. And I like to tell people, no, it's only awkward until it's not. And just like when you start something new. um, uh, What some recently they, oh, I know what it was. Uh, I know this is is super simple, but they, uh, on our app, um, I post a lot of quotes and things that go out in the morning. And so I go in and I type them in and I pre-schedule them. And then the software changed they changed it and and i didn't like it i'm like i got so used to the old system and now it's the new system so i got to push this button push it push 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 push, and now i got to change my whole habits and whole routine and in the beginning i was pretty upset about it. i mean you know not mad but just like oh man why did they change this it was fine the way it was and but i was just thinking this today so it's good for your question uh i'm used to the new way now i can't even remember what the old you know, it's click, 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 click. I don't even remember what that was now um, as I was putting some things in today. Um, I'm used to the new way. Why? Because I just kept doing it. And I just kept pressing through. And it's the same with this. Praying out loud is new for you. Uh, praying with a group is new for you. And then battling through these feelings that aren't real, like inadequacy or selfish, or not sounding like the people that pray with you. Listen, you aren't going to sound like them because you're not them. You're you. You have your own life, your own language, um, and it's not uncommon. This is not unusual. You're not weird because you feel this way. This is normal. Um, you saw the room last night. You know, there's a lot of people there, but before we started praying together, the room was way fuller. It was so many more people coming. But when we started praying together, people stopped coming. 
because they didn't like it. Just like kind of like you. You're not saying you don't like it, but because it was uncomfortable, it was hard, it was awkward, it was different. And and that's okay. Um, people, you know, now now this is normal Christianity. We pray together. Um, we pray together. And so you you're you're fine and it's okay. And I like I said, I commend you for sitting in the group. I commend you for listening. I commend you for being a part of our church family. Welcome to Calvary. You're going to grow. You're going to look back on this as a great growing time. And listen, what you pray is important for the group too. I mean, who knows? Maybe the other person is thinking, oh man, I feel the same. It's so uncomfortable. And and that sister over there, she's praying about this. and, And I forgot to pray about that. And like, you're important to the body of Christ too. You know, you were raised in a religious, man-made religion where only the priests were important and we all, no, 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 the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches we're all important and we can all pray and we all should pray. Even if you just come and pray for your family, even if you just come and pray, like last night, it's love God, love people, uh, make disciples, right? Even if you just follow, um, but please keep coming back. Please press in. The Lord is with you and... I'm so glad that you text that question in. So good. Very, 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 very good. Uh, let's see here. Let's go ahead and go back to Joe. Let's see. Where are we? Uh, let's go to Georgia. Let's go to Jacob in Georgia. Welcome to the program. Hey, what's going on, Ed? Hey, you're on hey. the air. Hey, glad to be on the air with you. Um yeah, I just have a question, just uh, maybe praying for our nation in the sense of, um, you know, Second Peter, as you were talking about Second Peter, um, in 18 it says, but grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be the glory, both now and forever. Amen. And I feel like in our nation today, um, we've got so far away just with the COVID and the vaccines and the masks that... Um, the, the church has lost a lot of grace for one another mm-hmm. and the stuff that we're learning and putting our, where we're learning and getting our knowledge from isn't no, like we got away from the scripture says grow in the knowledge of Jesus. Yes. And so we so quick to turn to news or social media and we're gaining knowledge in that. But as he says that eventually, um, whereas I think it's 10, it says that, these words and everything in it's just going to be burned up. So how do we get back to that urgency and that grace of uh, maybe our nation that as a church just kind of came, got complacent and fallen out of church, um, living lots normal, no longer really fearful, but just got complacent. How do we get back to that urgency? Well, I think, Pastor Jacob Lamb, we should all be attending Calvary Chapel in Ringgold, Georgia. Yep, that's it. <laughs> that's it. Jacob, how are you, buddy? Doing good, man. Doing good. I'll are you listening you on, on the Are you listening on the app or is the radio does Freedom Radio hit your neighborhood? No, I, I got the app. We don't get oh, okay. we don't get a whole lot of stations out here in Georgia, you know. Anyway, so. I now they hear your voice. <laughs> it's so good to hear you. Oh. Um it's a great question. Uh it's super great question because I think that there's multi layers to that response. First of all, I think it starts in the church with the leadership, right? The leadership, the shepherds. Remember what, what, what God said through Jeremiah? Like, 
if the shepherds aren't going to lead properly, feed and tend, then I'm going to give myself, I'm going to give my church, my shepherds. And, you know, we all started out in ministry wanting to serve him, wanting to take care of his flock. And then we all, we, it, it tend, some leaders get distracted. And now they're helping you grow in the knowledge of conspiracy theories and they help you go into the knowledge of whatever's going on in the country and whatever. But, but as leaders, we need to get back to what God has called us to do, and that's to feed and tend the flock. Um, and it starts with us, number one. And then number two, it starts within the body with a healthy sense of fear and awe, like one of the earlier callers, a healthy sense of fear and awe and humble repentance. Remember what Jesus said? I think your question hit it on the head with the church in Ephesus. They had left their first love uh, in Revelation. And he said, remember from where you have fallen, repent. And that's often what's missed, the repentance. Oh, I remember. Let's go back to the good old days. No, you can't do that. You've got to repent. You've got to turn away from the condition of your life today. That was the error of the the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they didn't repent. And then we can return. Then we can get back to basics. And I, I think it starts with us. You're a pastor, I'm a pastor, and it starts with us. We're coming up on a break, on the end of the show, brother. I'm sorry, man. Love you guys. Yeah, no worries. Talk to you soon. All right, bye. Hey, glad that you joined us today. The show caught up with us, but man, that is a good question. Lord, help us to get back to a simple faith in you. May you guys, bless you guys, love you guys. Thanks for allowing me to be a small part of the huge work that God's doing in your life. Till next time, God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.